Welcome to OCA, a special podcast for special people. Our mission is for OCA to enable individuals and families with autism or other disabilities the opportunity to maximize their abilities. Over the past 15 years, we have grown from an idea to a full community of professionals serving the Central Florida community. We're excited to share our favorite memories, tips, and experiences with you. And we hope to inspire you to get involved too. Ready to get started? Let's dive in. Hello, OCA family, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Margaret, COO of OCA, and I'm so glad you're back for another episode. Today, we are talking ABA therapy. For those of you who haven't met me, I'm a board-certified behavior analyst and a licensed mental health counselor, so maybe you could say I'm a little bit of a psychology nerd. So I'm excited to talk to you today about ABA. For those of you that are not familiar with that term, it's applied behavior analysis, and we'll get into the definition in just a minute. But OCA uses ABA as the foundation for services because we have found great value in applying the principles in an ethical manner. We also pride ourselves on a multidisciplinary approach, which means we combine information and skills from recreation, music therapy, art therapy, dance therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, and theater to create a comprehensive program for our clients. However, our guiding principles have always been those of ABA, and they help guide each decision and interaction that we make every day. We have found this to be a very successful approach and have developed an environment where individuals with special needs can truly be successful, but not everyone has had the same experience that we have. So today we wanted to take the opportunity and educate you on the history of ABA and why we continue to choose to use it in our daily interactions. I was first introduced to ABA when I was an undergrad at the University of Central Florida, and I was just looking for a part-time job, and I ended up taking a job at a group home in the evening so that I could attend classes during the day. This was my first introduction to behavior modification, and I had no idea what I was walking into. I started working at an intensive group home for individuals with pretty significant behavior problems, and I was blown away by the concepts of ABA and the benefits which shaped my future career path. I have met a lot of professionals along the way, and I can truly tell you, not all clinicians are created equal, but there are some really good clinicians in our field, especially here in Central Florida. My career has been dedicated to ABA because I believe in the ethical use of evidence-based science to make positive changes in the lives of others. And because of my involvement here at OCA as a founding sister, we have moved forward with that as our foundation as well. So in order to tell you what ABA is, we're gonna have to do a little history lesson. So hold on for a minute and, and we'll get to the meat of it in just a second. But behavior analysis is a science. And as with many scientific fields, the history and evolution starts with animals. In 1904, Ivan Pavlov identified classical conditioning with dogs. If you haven't heard that, it's okay. He taught dogs to drool by pairing meat powder and a bell. That's how we learned about classical conditioning. The response of salivating was then linked to an arbitrary stimulus. Then the following year, Edward Thorndike used straight animals to test the theories of positive reinforcement, challenging them to get through a puzzle box and earn a reward at the end. And now we, we know that we can use those rewards as, as motivational opportunities. In 1920, John Watson, the first to label himself as a behaviorist, 
but not developing the practices that we see today, did a famous study with, with what's known as Little Albert. A nine-month-old baby uh, was conditioned through exposure to be afraid of a docile rat by pairing the sweet rodent with a loud noise upon initial exposure. Basically, every time this rodent was pre presented, they startled the baby with a loud noise, and eventually the sight of the rat um, elicited that fear response. I think we can all agree there's lots of ethical concerns here, and we definitely don't need to repeat this study anytime soon, but it was used to expand our understanding of classical conditioning. And, it, and we also learned from that how pairing an object or a person with a positive or negative trigger can change how we interact with that object or person. Think about when you stub your toe on the coffee table. At least the next two or three times you walk by that coffee table, you're definitely a little more cautious, even though that coffee table has really not done anything to you, but you know that if you walk too close, there is a possibility that you have that negative consequence again. Then we meet B.F. Skinner, who came along in the 1940s to really expand upon the knowledge of prior scientists and turn the focus of using the principles to modify human behavior. Skinner is revered as the father of behavior analysis, and he focused on the environmental factors that shape the behavior we see and also was the first to recognize behaviors we can't see, such as thoughts or emotions, and labeled those as private events. Skinner was also the one who taught us to apply the, the principles of behavior analysis, thus getting us ABA. He started this practice in the 1960s because he recognized the complexity of human behavior and wanted to find the relationship between the cause of behavior and the consequences, meaning what comes immediately after the behavior. Um, we're not talking about punishment here, you know, consequences. Sometimes people think, you know, that negative side, but it's really just what comes after the behavior. He worked with patients in the psychiatric hospital who typically had some pretty dangerous behaviors to improve their quality of life and also their interactions with the staff that were caring for them. Unfortunately, in the 1960s and 70s, there were not a lot of treatment options for individuals with special needs, and so most of them were living in these facilities, and so it was imperative that the quality and conditions of this experience were improved. ABA, again, as I stated, is simply the application of behavior analysis, but what we know today is it's used to solve a particular issue that is usually a behavioral excess, which means a behavior is happening too much, or a skill deficit, which means a behavior is not happening enough. ABA therapy today is, is centered on learning theory and behavior modification, and it is most often known for being an interpersonal th therapy provided in a one-on-one -on -one format. We do have some opportunities to offer ABA in a group format, and like here at OCA, we use ABA every day, so it's not necessarily just our therapy, but also our guiding principles. However, um, actual treatment, one-on-one -on -one treatment and, and therapeutic programming typically includes prompting strategies, deliberate environmental manipulations, using rewards and breaks from tasks to motivate, creating schedules of activities to help build consistency, teach flexibility, and chain steps of a task together so that individuals learn a total task at a time. Clinicians have the ability to change programming and be flexible as a client uh, demonstrates a need. Um, so we find, again, here at OCA that it is really meaningful.
It's most often revered as an evidence-based science and has been endorsed by the American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, and the U.S. Surgeon General because the practices are typically safe and effective treatment for individuals on the autism spectrum, as well as individuals in other populations. Logistically, services include an initial screening, a formal assessment, goal setting and ongoing data collection, outcome measurements, and program evaluation. What's really great is parents and caregivers are, should be included in each step. So they can also have all of these strategies in their toolkit so that therapy and progress occurs long after therapy is terminated and outside of sessions. So you're probably thinking, this sounds really great. However, not everyone, as I said before, has had the same experience. So recently there's a stigma around ABA. Criticism of ABA has surfaced in the last decade where we're hearing from individuals that had unfavorable results. I think it is truly important to be a re realistic that not everyone will be successful and two individuals receiving therapy may have completely different experiences. Some argue that ABA therapy may be emotionally harmful because of their approach to follow a norm-based assessment and the use of punishment to discourage maladaptive behaviors. So let's talk about norm-based assessments for a moment. Over the years, we have used a norm-based assessment to identify how an individual compares to those that are of similar age. What milestones, you know, you hear that often with babies, have they met their milestones? Those are norm-based assessments. So when looking at a norm-based assessment, the skills that we check off are what's typically expected of an individual. And thus, it does appear in therapy, of course, that we're pushing individuals to be very, very similar. Uh, the second um, concern, uh, the, the use of punishment to discourage maladaptive behaviors, um, again, punishment is used very specifically in our field to mean something that decreases future behavior, but some of that does look like withholding rewards, um, including food, when a negative behavior is occurring. For example, if someone is having a tantrum because they want the cookie, we don't give the cookie while they're having the tantrum. So that does in fact involve withholding food. Um, this, this gives us an opportunity to see how it does make other people feel. Fortunately for us, we are getting feedback from adults that have actually received these therapies. So we can learn and grow as a field um, but again, not everyone has the same experience. So trying to balance negative feedback and positive feedback in the evolution of a science is really important. So I've made a little list of pros and cons to kind of help us weigh it out for a minute. A pro um, of ABA therapy is there is thousands of studies from starting in the 1970s supporting the consistent improvements of those individuals who have received ABA therapy. Because let's be honest, if it's not working, we don't need to keep doing it. A con is that it can be very time consuming and expensive. There are also lots of studies that show the, the challenge for families of individuals with special needs when it comes to the financial and time commitment required to get their children what they need. The amount of therapy required for an intensive program can be astronomical and costs can be prohibitive and, and time required can be exhausting for families. 
this is one of the things OCA has tried to commit to, to solving in all of our fundraising efforts and commitment to low cost programming. But it is really um, something to consider as someone who is going to have ABA therapy for the first time. Another pro is the majority of professionals have received extensive training to become a behavior analyst, most having a master's degree or higher. Um, I can also tell you that the requirements outside of education in, in doing um, supervised hours before you can sit for the board exam, there are lots of requirements to practice the skills and demonstrate the skills to show that you're proficient before you become an analyst on your own. One of the cons is that these highly qualified therapists are often in high demand and can be hard to find. And also looking at where you live, you might have very, very limited access uh, to individuals that, that have that qualification. Another pro is the customization and personalization of ABA programs. Each program should be client specific. And though we do use norm-based assessments, the ethical approach is to spend a good amount of time with each client before developing their programming to, to identify their wants and needs, the, the wants and needs of the family, and, and the, the best way to approach gaining those skills and reducing any negative behaviors for that individual. A con that, that we must uh, identify is some people feel that you do get robotic results and a lack of sensitivity to personal preferences when we are using those norm-based assessments or when we are doing um, all of our ABA therapy in a clinical setting. Um, think about if you're sitting at a table and you teach a child to say the same thing over and over and over again uh, to practice that skill. It, it's you know called a discrete trial and, and we repeat it often to help gain the skill. But then sometimes when they leave that opportunity, it does sound very rote in their responses. And it does take a commitment to generalization across environments and some natural teaching to ensure that we are creating individuals that are not in fact robotic. So that's my little pros and cons list. But ultimately, I want you to know that there are benefits to ABA therapy. According to a study completed in 2022 by the Laurel House and Silver Hill Hospital, ABA is 89% effective as a treatment for autism. Again, it is also a treatment for, for other populations, but this is our, this is our specialty. Um, caregivers have reported an increased focus, better self-help skills, enhanced communication, generalization of skills across settings, and decrease maladaptive behaviors. Maladaptive behaviors are those behaviors that can be dangerous or can impede their ability uh, to perform daily tasks and be integrated into society. When qualified ethical clinicians are involved, clients build lifelong skills. OCA will be celebrating its 15th birthday next year, and we see clients gain skills every single day. We see clients gain enjoyment of life every single day. So again, we see that it's working. Clients may gain skills in communication, in grooming, in academics, in social skills, lots of doors opening because of this, this scientific approach. Also, because ABA does address dangerous behaviors, decreasing dangerous behaviors is, is an immeasurable uh, need. You, you can't have someone that's putting themselves and others at risk 
um, long term. So we want to we want to decrease all of those dangerous behaviors because ultimately it improves the quality of life for the participant. And it also improves the quality of life for their family. And when those maladaptive behaviors are decreased, it increases their ability to be engaged in in their community. Um, and find leisure skills and improve academic skills. So lots of doors open again when we can decrease negative behaviors and increase those skills. OCA believes in the science of ABA and has witnessed the long-term benefits over our time. And we choose ABA for three reasons. One, that individualized approach. Because if you have met one individual with special needs, you have met one individual with special needs. At OCA, we celebrate diversity and the uniqueness of each individual. And by taking an ABA approach, we can individualize how we teach skills, how we motivate, how we interact, how we set up the environments. So this supports our commitment to diversity. Number two, it's adaptable in nature. Your ABA toolkit can, can change space by space, room by room, individual by individual. You can take it in the community. You can scrap what you're doing and take a different approach. It allows for that constant change because life is not scripted. So we need to be able to be, to be flexible and ABA gives us that opportunity. And finally, number three, we choose ABA because positive reinforcement means we get a little celebration each time. Each time someone does a skill for the first time, the second time, the hundredth time, we can celebrate with that positive reinforcement. And OCA loves a celebration. So all in all, there are some criticisms to ABA, but OCA chooses ABA because it has been a positive experience for us. And I hope that you have seen some of that too here today. So thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. We can't thank you enough for spending a few minutes of your day with us. If you want to find out more about OCA, log on to gooca.org. Follow us on Instagram at OCA for you and follow us on Facebook at OCA, a special place for special needs. And to make a free and immediate impact, leave a review of our podcast, give us a five-star rating and share it with a friend. See you again soon for another episode of OCA, a special podcast for special people. Do the dash, the monster dash. Tis the witching hour to break in your favorite costume before the trick and treats. Stop for a spell this October with your family, coworkers, and friends at OCA's fourth annual run event to benefit services for people with autism and other disabilities. This year's Monster Dash includes three ghostly affairs, a 5K, a kid's fun run, and a family stroll that's a quarter mile lap. Ready to be the ghostess with the mostess? Sign up today to race, give a donation, or become one of our spooky sponsors at gooca.org slash monster dash dash or click the link in the caption wherever you're listening to our show. We can't wait to walk, run, or roll with you October 14th at 7.30 a.m. in Blue Jacket Park in Baldwin Park.